8.46 a.m. on September 11th, American Airlines Flight 11 crashed into New York's World Trade Tower, forever changing the course of history. Just 17 minutes later, at 9.03 a.m., a second plane, United Airlines Flight 175, hit the towers. 2,996 lives were lost. That one day in New York City set the course of the next 20 years. The tragedy of 9-11 ushered in some of the darkest days in American history. It led to thousands of lives lost, thousands of families that lost loved ones, saw the rise of global terrorism, spanned four U.S. presidents, and gave way to two devastating wars. This is Beyond the Headlines. This week, we are examining the legacy of 9-11 and the war in Afghanistan and asking whether it was worth the human cost. I'm your host, Leila Garagoslu. Before we start, make sure to subscribe to Beyond the Headlines to get the latest episodes. And if you haven't heard it already, check out our mini-series, The Blast, about the events leading up to the Beirut explosion and what happened after. The immediate aftermath of 9-11 in the U.S. was chaotic. A rush to understand who perpetrated the attacks, where it came from, and who could be a future threat. For those on the ground in New York, those who saw the terror unfold, that day is marked in their memories forever, one they come back to time and again. For me, for me, the starkest memories are actually the sounds for, 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 some, for some reason. Uh, I mean, the pictures, but what you saw with your eyes that day was so intense and absurd, really, actually. I mean, it was like in, a, in, the, in the most uh, crass Hollywood horror movie or, or catastrophic movie you could ever, you could ever imagine. Um, but what stuck with me over the years and then what sort of like, you know, triggers a little bit of trauma once in a while are, are, are the sounds, uh, especially that airplane sound. That's Herbert Bauernabel, a journalist. He was in New York on the day of the attacks, just a few blocks from the World Trade Center, where from his balcony in lower Manhattan, he watched the first plane, then the second plane hit the towers. As a journalist, Herbert knew he had to cover the story, so he made his way to the World Trade Center. Next thing I know, I was standing um, on, the, on the corner of Broadway and Fulton, about you know, two, two and a half blocks away from the South Tower, and then I realized the South Tower is coming down. There was this big cloud of ash and, and dust that was racing through the streets. Uh, I made a split-second decision that I didn't think I could outrun the cloud, uh, and I was worried about you know, falling debris and stuff, so I... I basically crawled under, uh, I think it was like a van or, or maybe a pick, uh, like a, a little bit of bigger car. And I was lying there and I was looking to the other car and there was another person lying under the other car. And we were looking at each other for, for, for like a, a second. And basically our, both our looks must have been, I mean, what is going on? And uh, a second later, the, the dust cloud, the ash cloud raced over us. It was like, if you, you know, stop the movie. It was pitch dark. You couldn't hear a thing. You could, you could not hear anything. I was breathing the World Trade Center. I had this imagination that every breath I take, my lung will fill up with this dust uh, and uh, I will maybe die. And I, it was a mixture of emotions, obviously. I was, I was thinking, I mean, that would be right. I'm just about to become a father and I'm lying here in, you know, I don't know, in a morning on a sunny morning in New York and, and maybe suffocating from uh, breathing the World Trade Center. 
While the memory of that fateful day is honored and mourned, the long-enduring legacy of that event came in the dark days and months after September 11th. Just weeks after the terror attacks, U.S. President George W. Bush and the U.S. Congress made the decision to fight a war on global terror. They decided to go to war on a group that spanned multiple countries, had networks, and no singular national tie. They decided to go to war to fight an ideology. But the arena for that war would be Afghanistan, long considered to be a hotbed of terrorist activity. Herbert says he thinks in those moments after 9-11, the decision to go into Afghanistan made sense. I did did think uh, that the decision to go to war in in Afghanistan was uh, was justified. Uh, America needed to to fight back. Uh, It's it's also a matter of showing strength. And, uh, you know, the Taliban were in charge of Afghanistan. Al-Qaeda was there. He needed to defeat the Taliban first to get to al-Qaeda. So that was all within reason, I I think. In the U.S., the war in Afghanistan was billed not only as a fight against global terror, but a fight to preserve democracy and the tenets on which America was built. Support was high among Americans, most of whom were still reeling from the attacks. In mid-September 2001, a Pew Research Center poll showed 77% favored U.S. military action, including the deployment of ground forces, quote, to retaliate against whoever is responsible for the terrorist attacks, even if that means U.S. armed forces might suffer thousands of casualties. As Herbert says, the events of 9-11 showed Americans that war can hit close to home. As we all know, America wasn't wasn't affected by, by both world wars uh, on, on their own soil. Uh, they were only attacked in Pearl Harbor on their own soil and on, in, on 9-11. So, so this obviously was a shock to America that war can hit home, like literally. Almost a month after the attacks, on October 7th, 2001, the U.S. launched Operation Enduring Freedom along with NATO and British forces. The mission's goal was to ensure that Afghanistan is never again a sanctuary to al-Qaeda or other transnational extremists that it was prior to 9-11. 217,000 troops, 24,000 bombs, and one month later, Kabul fell and the Taliban departed. Despite the early success, America's longest war was just beginning. Thomas Watkins, the Nationals' U.S. Bureau Chief, has been covering the Pentagon in Afghanistan for a number of years. He says those early months of the war seemed to achieve a successful mission in its narrowest sense. The objectives for going into Afghanistan were met. Um, Ultimately, they were met with the death of Osama bin Laden in 2011. Uh, The Taliban were toppled in short order, and there was a Western-backed government that was installed. Um, So in terms of why the West went into Afghanistan, get rid of the Taliban and get rid of al-Qaeda specifically, so they can no longer launch terror attacks against the West. This was often a metric that's been used by the Pentagon. Though we haven't seen any large-scale terror attacks against the West initiated from Afghanistan since 9-11. And so advocates of the intervention there can point to that as a success. However, it does overlook the fact that now the Taliban are back in power and al-Qaeda are being welcomed back into the country with open arms. Over the last 20 years, 
As time has passed, the collective memory of 9-11 hasn't diminished. However, its legacy has become complicated and intertwined with the travesty that became the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. It has forced Americans to look at how they view war, peace, and their role on the global stage. Adam Weinstein, a U.S. Marine veteran of Afghanistan and a research fellow at the Quincy Institute, says the war caused America to lose its innocence. I think 9-11, for at least one generation of Americans, made the country lose its innocence. We had become almost gleeful in our role as the sole superpower in this new order that had emerged, and I think we viewed ourselves as as generally admired in the world, and we didn't think that we had any um, any vulnerabilities. And I guess 9-11 altered that. I, I think that in many ways, 9-11 was a perfect storm. I'll never say it couldn't happen again, but it was a perfect storm of, of things going just right and, the, and a, a sort of lack of, of planning that I think has changed since 9-11. So I think it would be more difficult to achieve a similar attack today. I, I would like to hope that if, if future terrorist attacks occur, we're mature enough as a country to realize that there's no value in responding simply to respond and throwing young American lives at the problem and also taking a lot of lives in, from whatever region that attack may emanate from. Public opinion towards the war has changed over time. And while the death tolls rose, the goal of the war changed, becoming more like an occupation than a fight against terrorism. By 2011, the year Osama bin Laden, the alleged mastermind of the attacks, was killed, 56% of Americans supported bringing troops home. Yet the war continued and even saw a troop surge in 2011 and 2012, an effort to combat growing insurgency on the ground. An estimated 2,448 soldiers have died in Afghanistan, and 47,245 Afghan civilians have been killed over the 20 years of fighting, only to now end up back in Taliban control. Adam says he doesn't think his time there was futile, but he questions whether it was all worth it. Was it worth the immense human cost? I don't, I don't think so. I think there were more sustainable ways to achieve those changes over time. And for the United States, it certainly wasn't worth it. Uh, we, we got lost in Afghanistan for 20 years. It doesn't mean that Afghanistan uh, is a backwater that the United States shouldn't care about at all. But the idea that we were fighting in Afghanistan for 20 years, I think is absurd on its face to the average American. And I agree with that. 20 years later, decades after 9-11, Adam, like many Americans, questions the initial decision-making that led the U.S. into those two wars. I I think our obsession with Osama bin Laden perhaps was misguided. I understand why the intelligence community had that as a priority, but I don't believe in chasing any symbol of a threat. I believe in assessing the threat itself. And there was there was and is a threat of terrorism from Afghanistan. But the question always was, where does that threat fall in our list of priorities? And I don't think the threat that emanates from Afghanistan justified 20 years of of military operations. And it certainly didn't justify another 
20 years. But what happened in Washington was it became very comfortable to just throw out, throw out risks. Okay, well, if we leave Afghanistan, the risk of an Al-Qaeda attack increases. Sure, I agree. And if I, if I leave, uh, if someone leaves their home and turns off the lights, the risk of a home invasion increases. That's not how you assess risk. In 2020, the Trump administration brokered a deal with the Taliban to withdraw U.S. troops from Afghanistan in exchange for a promise from the Taliban to not use Afghanistan as a terrorist base. Troops would gradually withdraw over the course of 14 months under the Trump agreement. I want to remember all of the people, all of the great, great men and women that have lost their lives. I'll be meeting personally with Taliban leaders in the not-too-distant future. Uh, I really believe the Taliban wants to do something to show that we're not all wasting time. But in mid-August, to the horror of all those who had watched the last 20 years play out, Afghanistan fell swiftly to the Taliban. While the majority of Americans supported troop withdrawal from Afghanistan, a Pew Research Center poll showed most, 69 percent, said that the country failed to achieve its goals. For those who have been on the ground in the last years of the war, like Thomas, the Taliban takeover was not surprising. So Afghanistan's um, police and military had clearly been struggling for a long time. We've been told by the Pentagon for a number of years that training was going well, that um, you know they, they were getting good equipment, that, that they were making significant um, holds against the Taliban. In other words, they weren't allowing um, district capitals or provincial capitals to get taken by the Taliban. But once you arrive in Afghanistan, um, it's pretty, it was pretty clear that things were not going well. Privately, Western officials would say that they thought that the Afghan army would collapse within a matter of days. Um, you know, this was even back in 2019. For Herbert, who lived through those early days after 9-11, who saw firsthand the devastation in New York, the drawing to a close of an ill-fated war and its 20-year leap backwards is hard to stomach. Um, the war in Afghanistan went sideways as well because it became nation building and we all know this is this is very very difficult thing to do. We all also know now, seeing the picture of the very chaotic American withdrawal, is that also that decision was probably questionable, that you you couldn't leave Afghanistan again in the hands of the Taliban and, and start this whole thing over. So it's it's it is very frustrating, obviously. Also given the fact that how like a lot of a lot of uh, American soldiers died there. A lot of money was spent. A lot of civilians, uh, Afghan people died in this war as well. And then to have it basically go back to the starting point is, is after 20 years, after two decades, is, is very frustrating. And I think this is like the, the, the great overshadowing, overshadowing uh, developments in this anniversary, 20 year anniversary that the, the the, the Taliban are in charge of Afghanistan again. It's uh, it's also for people in New York and people who lived through 9-11. This is a, this is kind of a fact that you really have to stomach, you know. Two decades since the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon and the crash of Flight 93, it is a day that is impossible to forget, an event that reframed how Americans and the world think about war and peace, and an event that changed the course of history. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, Leila Garagoslu. 
If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe. And if you have time, please leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. Thanks this week to Herbert Bauernabel, Thomas Watkins, and Adam Weinstein. This episode was produced by Aisha Khan.